Stephen Ellis of Zoom. Uh, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining me today, Stephen. What's your take on how agencies should be preparing now for what is definitely going to be a hybrid work environment, no matter what happens and when people start to come back to the office? And that's just it. Uh, it's funny, the, the, the last part of what you said, no matter what happens, you know, we've gone through gas shortages, we've had a tornado, we've, uh, we've gone through quite a bit of things that forget about any kind of pandemic or disease or, or variant or what have you. Uh, we're talking about, it seems that there's a renewed awareness that there's gonna be a constant stream of things that are gonna regularly keep us out of the office. If I can use a classical reference, there's this Gordian knot of trying to untangle return to work, hybrid, remote, how does that work? And there's so many parts to this knot because an agency could say, well, we want everyone to be in person, but then the school district says, well, the kids are going to be out of school for a week, and, and then that's not going to be a compatible solution. So there's so many intertangled elements in, in that. I think the, the key word to, to solving this knot is flexibility. Ultimately, that's uh, the only way we're going to sort of find some symbiotic place where, where things can work uh, and, and work well. I would say there's three elements to finding a solution and, and to driving that flexibility and ensuring that it has staying power as a solution. The three things that I'm talking about are we need HR and IT to work together. I think we need to make sure we don't have a two-class federal workforce, and I think we need to have a culture that ensures that whatever policies are going to have staying power. When we started to have these major cyber breaches, and then you know we're probably going back, you know, ten, five years back. They said, okay, the IT security and IT, they need to coordinate. They need to have some interlock, regular touch bases. They, you can't buy some new technology without an IT security people vetting it. Well, that, that's going to have to be the same going forward with HR policy. I would be hesitant if I were an IT leader in government to launch some brand new technology that is requires someone to be at a keyboard in a specific place only to be able to access. So I think there needs to be some nexus where there's a true dialogue at the policy level between HR and IT. And that's at the top, at the big P policy. Obviously, we're seeing the White House is putting things out, but also in the policy of just managers and in their teams and their HR partners and, and how that comes together. So that really, that interlock is, is critical. The second part I mentioned is we can't have two classes, and, and that really flows from that HR policy interlock. We, we can't say, okay, there's a group of people who their work can be completely flexible. And other people, maybe they need to work in a skiff, maybe they're in a building security, maybe they have some other roles that require in-person presence, and then there's other people whose roles offer a great deal of flexibility. What we can't allow is, is to have this two-tiered structure, because that's going to lead to burnout, it's going to lead to questions about compensation is going to lead to all kinds of derivative policies. So when we think about someone and we would say, well, their work is in a skiff, how can we possibly offer them flexibility? I think we might want to say, well, how much of their work actually needs to take place in the confines of that? How much is they're, they're doing training for an IT certification? They're filling out forms and paperwork. They're listening to a division meeting. If you can schedule those types of other tasks, Maybe someone who originally was a five-day required in a, in a specific location now goes to some other number. And, and the last thing, you know, is, is culture. And that's going to be the glue that brings it all together. If we say, well, we want schedule flexibility, 
we need to make sure that that's a grassroots culture that your employees say they have certain things they want to be able to go to the carpool line and pick up their child or they want to be able to have lunch with their aged relative or, or what have you that's grassroots schedule flexibility an astroturf would be management saying we want everyone checking their emails at 10 o'clock at night under the guise of flexibility because work now happens over 24 hours so that would be an unfortunate development and that's going to cause friction and as we build these plans so i think we really need to look at the policy level all these these three different areas the interlock of hr and it making sure we're mindful about the two class uh, system and avoiding that and then and then a culture that's going to make sure that everything that we're doing has staying power a lot of the organizations across the government have realized tremendous benefits from the it modernization and transformation efforts that they undertook before COVID even started, not anticipating COVID, but realizing these benefits. How is that fitting into the remote work environment and the, the three prongs that you just laid out there, Stephen? Francis, I mean, that's just it. We, we, it's, what we saw is there was a lot of IT modernization that took place, and had it not taken place, we wouldn't have been able to have done what we've been able to do. I think we need to look at investing in our workforce in a new way. We need to look at how our offices are organized, and, and we also want to make sure that we have employees who feel that they're empowered in how they live their lives, how they want to work, and they feel that their voice is being heard. I bring that all together into one catch-all term, human-centered IT modernization. If we go back to a world to say, oh, there's this new IT service, if we put our data over here, We'll, we'll have more insights and AI, and we'll have some new capabilities or lower latency. You know, these are all the buzzwords that drove IT purchasing for a long time. But in none of those conversations did we hear, oh, it actually makes people work in a, in a smarter way, or actually it enables people to avoid the commute on the Legion Bridge. That was never a factor. What we realized with the pandemic is it has to be a factor, because with the pandemic, if we didn't put IT at the service of our employees, no work could have possibly happened. So when I think about the modernization that has to take place, it has to be human-centered. Otherwise, it will fail. You know, at home, our employees just looking at that small webcam and the microphone on their laptop, is there an expectation that maybe we can elevate the technology that some of these workers are using so that they feel better, feel more confident when they're being remote? When you have a group of people who are in an office and some people are there in person, some people are not, do we have the technology to make those people who aren't there feel a little closer or are they just a three-inch square on the other end of a wall somewhere? Obviously, Zoom feels very strongly about enabling some of our collaboration spaces and rooms to really bring you know the remote people and the in-person people to a level of parity. And I think that's going to be key. I think when we talk about phone uh, and chat, those are other areas where we haven't seen a lot of movement in government, but we do know that there is going to be a strong acceleration in adoption with two specific trends involving phone and chat. The first would be for phone, is there an ability for my desk phone in an office to go with me no matter where I am on planet Earth? So if I'm traveling for, for a work duty, if I'm at home, if I'm at a conference, if I'm in the office, I should be reachable in the same way no matter what. And I think that a lot of agencies are looking at modernizing in that way. And the other area is chat for short form, quick, instantaneous communication. It used to be, let me just tap Francis on the shoulder across the hall. Now we're seeing, and it's not a generational thing also, it's, it's really spanning all of the 
four or five generations we have in the federal workforce, um, to be able to com communicate quickly and in ways that really allow the mission to move forward in, in, in an easier way. Because a lot of the folks that say, you know what, this whole work from home hasn't worked, there's delays here, if, if you want to renew something, if you want to get some permit or, or whatever, it, the, it used to take three months, now it takes six. The challenge is the technology hasn't come to enable the productivity that some of our remote people really require. And, and if we don't allow it, we'll have a, an upset workforce uh, or people looking elsewhere. And I think that's really the challenge. What is the next generation beyond what the way that we think about remote work today? What's on the horizon for somebody who's thinking, okay, I get what it looks, what remote work looks like in 2022. What's beyond that that I should be thinking about today? What we need to look at is how are the information assets that we need to interact with or what data that we need to obtain and how can we obtain that information in a more efficient way. We've seen with uh, the, the, the unfortunate uh, building situation collapse in, in Miami. We've seen infrastructure renewal be a top priority in the legislative field. How do we do and inspect all of this aged infrastructure? How do we prevent rock slides or wildfires? A lot of that is through the hard and diligent work of experts. But the problem you know, with something like that is how do we bring experts to a location? And that becomes very difficult. It's a lot easier to bring video and data and sensors to an expert located elsewhere. And, and that's just the tip of, of the spear sort of as examples. Because when you think about, you know, when you expand that, you might say, well, we can also work to break down some of the silos of government. Because instead of simply collaborating with the people in your office, maybe there's a cross-agency collaboration that would be really improved by bringing uh, people together in, in a sort of a constant video connection uh, where they're able to work jointly together across agencies, across buildings, across job sites, and, and, and work on, on priorities together. It's a lot easier than rearranging people and, 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 and putting people for six months in some other location or what have you. So I think that as we look at the art of the possible, there's just so much innovation that we can do in these areas. Stephen Ellis of Zoom, it's great to see you. Thanks for joining me on the inaugural Absolutely. Daily Scoop. It's great to talk to you again. Absolutely. Likewise.